Howdy! Year 2, episode 21 of Pat's Interference. I'm Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brigman. Apparently, Alabama didn't get the memo that all top four teams were supposed to go down last week, beating Mississippi State 51-3. We'll review that game, plus preview the game against the Chattanooga Mocs. Plus, we'll go over what happened in the rest of college football. If we can even break it down, we're going to try our hardest, but good lord. What an apocalyptic setting. We love it. We can't wait to talk about it. We hope you're willing to stick around and listen. This is Pat's Interference. Chaos in college football. We've been waiting on it. It officially struck in week 11. Three of the top four teams falling. Number two, number three, number four for the first time since I believe the 80s. It was going to be a great episode. Auburn also losing five of the top ten. Uh, but let's get to the episode now. I'm Patrick Brickman. He's Patrick Norwood at High Point, North Carolina. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. High Point hosting the HPU Classic, the first HPU Classic, Navy, North Dakota State University in UNCG and High Point, of course, playing in a tournament this weekend. So you and I are going to be doing one episode this week because I'm about to have a hell of a weekend. You're in sweeps month. You've got a hell of a story uh, on the way for your news station. I'm, I'm, I, I cannot tell you how proud of you, Thank you. I am. As, as a journalist, as someone who went to Alabama and watched you blossom, not only as a reporter, but as a person. And as a man. Uh, as a man. I, I am not only impressed, I am impressed with myself and proud of myself for knowing you, much less calling you my best friend in the whole world. The whole world. Well, I've loved whole the way you've blossomed and bloomed too yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is Pat's Interference. As you can tell, there's a lot of love on this show. we got a lot to discuss tonight, my friends. So let's get into it. Alabama beats Mississippi State 51-3. to Not a lot of surprises there. They almost had us. They, I really thought they had us there. They had us right where they wanted us about in the fourth quarter when we were up 24-0. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, I'd or, say excuse me, in the second quarter. Um <laughs> But no, in all honesty, I mean it was it was about what we expected. Uh, a couple bad plays that we can kind of go over if you want to get into those right now. Jalen Hurts had a whale of a game, accounting for over 400 yards of offense. Brick, one thing that bothered me about him was the interception when he was intending to go to our Darius Stewart. So I've heard something about this play. I want to get your opinion. What I've heard is that during that play, if our Darius Stewart recognizes that he can get behind the defensive back, then he is supposed to run a post route. Jalen Hurts is supposed to make the same read and throw in the ball as a post route. However, Jalen Hurts thinks he is behind the defensive back. He's supposed to cut across the middle of the field where he hits him. Now, it looks like there was a miscommunication in a read. I don't know if I'm just being told that or I'm hearing that because they want to make Jalen Hurts feel better or if that's actually the case. What do you think when you watch that play? I think in one of the press conferences they said that that was that was a uh, a wrong route. Uh, I don't know which one made the wrong call, the wrong read, but I know that he thought Stewart was going to cut inside. I mean that ball was right. too too horribly thrown, in my opinion. Well, and the the thing that been. got me is it was a perfect spiral in the wrong place, which is very rare. Usually, if you throw an interception, it looks like a dead duck, or it looks like you you know you put too much on it, or you didn't put enough on it. That looked like he intended to throw it there. Yeah, that's like how I he, think it was supposed to go. Now, you don't right. want to see that against good teams, and they got to get that communication down. But, um, no, he's not that bad. Actually, I've taken off the uh, my bolo, my, my amber alert for the Jalen Hurts passing game. I think this was uh, a very good 
response to, you know, a lackluster game through the air against LSU, but that was a good defensive performance from them. But either way, I mean, this right. is what we've been waiting for as far as his, uh, his arm action has been concerned. Right, right. Four touchdowns, yeah. 347 through the air. I think he was, he, yeah, 28 of 37. Um, and with the one pick, but he was throwing some – some of the touchdowns he had – Two of them specifically, our Darius Stewart had three touchdowns on the day, but two of them specifically, the ones where he hit him on a rope, in stride. We haven't seen those kind of touchdown passes from him this year. Um, no. So I was happy to see that, for sure. Right, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one thing that I do want to mention, too, uh, he's he's starting to get mentioned in some Heisman races. Yes, he is. And I, I was going to mention that, uh, now we all think that Lamar Jackson has it locked up, and I, I'm with, I'm with you there. I think at this point of the year, he is the only player left on the ballot that I think could make it an interesting race. Because I think if you look at it, you've got Peppers. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, Peppers is a defensive player. Well, um, no, the thing is, the thing it's not Peppers. It's Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State, which I think is an interesting, kind of an interesting play. Because uh, not that he's going to win. But I think he's in the same boat as Jalen Hurts where he kind of snuck up on people. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you go back to those Ohio State running backs. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott has been playing out of his mind in the NFL. He played out of his mind I against Alabama. I mean, he played out of his mind last year, too. Uh, the only reason, in my opinion, they didn't win the Michigan State game was because he didn't get that many carries. Now, he didn't get that many carries because he was in the hospital two days before the game started, and everybody likes to think that it was Urban Meyer just being an idiot. Let me tell you something. Urban Meyer, as much as I dislike him, he's not dumb. If the guy's good, he's going to get the football. He's a fantastic you know? coach. He's the second best uh, coach in the country. But I, I think that uh, I think people forget that, because uh, I did before I was talking to an Ohio State fan uh, earlier this week, and he reminded me of that, that Ezekiel Elliott was in the hospital before that Michigan State game. So anyway, I say all that to tell you that people – in the horseshoe in Columbus are more impressed with or not more impressed but equally impressed with Curtis Samuel as they are Ezekiel Elliott. He's been awesome this year. And Which I, is think, saying I don't a lot. think that I don't think that's heresy to say that either. Because I think people really focus and you and I did it too, people really focus on JT Barrett and all of a sudden he just kinda of flew under the radar. So I think those three guys can make it interesting. I think Jabril Peppers, well I think he's great, Mr. Jalapeno Peppers as I like to call him. Uh I believe that there's a lot of guys that could do what he does in the NCAA, and the only reason they don't is because their coaches don't want to play in both sides of the ball. Also, um, he's he's a defensive player. He's a defensive. Uh, he's a linebacker slash defensive back with no interceptions on the year. He's got it, the touchdowns aren't there. He's an exciting player and he makes big plays everywhere, but not the plays that are going to show up when you're looking at the end of the season and looking at Heisman stats that are going to eye pop. You're not going to see that. He doesn't have too many return touchdowns. Um, the other one would be Jake Browning from Washington, but I we'll get into Washington in a minute. But I, right. I, I kind of sensed that Washington wasn't as great right. as they were being billed, and he so, you know, he had a he had a terrible game against USC this week. So to circle kind of yeah, circle the wagons back, you know, I, I think it's impressive that Jalen Hurts is even being mentioned in the Heisman conversation. Do I think it bodes well for Alabama? Absolutely. Do I think that it's going to be something that's realistic? Absolutely not. No, I don't. Uh, ESPN had I think, him third, but Lamar's got this wrapped up. I mean, you look at the statistics, and, and the Heisman is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately award. You and I have said it, gosh, I mean, for a full two years now. 
Um, and even before then, even when you and I didn't have a podcast, when we were just talking in college, it's, it's such a, all right, well, that's great, but you know, what did you do last week sort of for award? Um, and I think if you're looking week by week, Lamar Jackson's trending up. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to say that not trending up. I think he's, I think he's plateaued, but you got to remember how hot he started. I remember I was watching a high point volleyball game. Uh, against NC State, go HPU, big upset there. Uh, but I remember that night because it was the second or third week of the season, and you texted me and you said, "Dude, dot dot dot, this Lamar Jackson guy is the real deal." Yes, I did. And I said, I, I call, I said bullshit. I said, "There's no way. He's a he's a quarterback for Louisville. What are you talking about?" And he hadn't played um, anyone yet either. He hadn't. He hadn't. And so I, you know, being the type of college football fan, the kind of person that I am, I assumed you were overreacting, that I was being the realist and being the smart one, which is usually false. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm very stubborn in my beliefs and I'm okay with who I am. So I assumed that you were being an idiot and that there was no reason to pay attention to the guy. And the next week I watched him and I texted you and I said, holy crap, you weren't kidding. I mean, the guy's incredible, Brick. He, he makes plays and he makes passes that you just can't believe. Um, so I don't think Jalen Hurts has a realistic opportunity to win the Heisman. I think it's exciting for him to be invited to New York City. He's, ESPN's got him third, and, and you mentioned the fact that it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately award. That, to me, and I still think Jackson's got it at, locked up at this point, but that, to me, is what gives him a little bit credence as far as making this at least a race, something to talk about, because... Um, like we said, Lamar Jackson, I think Louisville is going to end up in the playoffs. I think Louisville will be in, and to have a Lamar Jackson with the numbers he has and be in the playoff, it's going to be an easy vote. But with that said, at the end of the year, when you're looking at a ballot, you might just see the best true freshman quarterback we've seen in many, 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 many seasons leading the number one team, Alabama, that is going, undergoing an offensive transformation. And if his offensive numbers continue to go up like they have every single week it seems and he's going to beat some good teams down the stretch he may you know if, if this is if Alabama goes undefeated they'll beat Auburn they'll beat in Tennessee or Florida again you know Tennessee again or Florida those are two good defenses that he'll have played no matter which teams he faces another thing to just mention is now this last week Louisville played Wake Forest and for three good quarters deep. For three quarters, it was like a 12-9. to nine. Louisville was down, and Lamar Jackson wasn't playing well game. And I started watching that, and my ears perked up and went, uh-oh, this could be the, this could be the Leonard Fournette against Alabama game. They're down 12-9, and all of a sudden, Louisville scores like 34 in the fourth quarter and just Blew started up. toying with them. And then I went, okay, he has a terrible three quarters, and now the story of this game is he willed his team to 34 points, and they blew it. It was like 44-12 at the end of the game. So it was it didn't look close because the thing was we left High Point had a basketball game that night. Uh, so I missed I missed most of the I've seen all the replays now. Thank God. But I missed most of those games live. I saw the Michigan game uh, and I saw the tail end of the Washington game as well. Um, but I, I remember we were leaving and we saw the score and we we're like, oh, my gosh, we got to get to the bar. The, the Louisville game is close. And I mean, Winston-Salem is 25 minutes down the road from me. Um, and so we were like, oh my God, like that would be such a huge win for the area. I mean, forget the ACC, forget Lamar Jackson, just for the triad itself, um, which is what people refer to this area as, uh, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point. Um, 
it, it would be huge. It would be absolutely huge. And then we get to the bar, and I, it was like 27, 12 or something. Yeah, they kept going. And I was like, my God, what? we were on the road for 10 minutes. I mean, what happened? Um, they just exploded. And they couldn't, they couldn't that's do what. But that's what Heisman Trophy winners do. Now, two more things about him. All right, so and I'm going to only briefly mention this, but if it becomes a story, becomes more of a story, it'll hurt his chances. I still think he wins, just going to say it. Bobby Petrino's being looked at this week as far as maybe – so there were some documents left in the stadium that kind of led to Louisville having uh, inside game plan info from Wake Forest. And then two, that was a bad game against Wake Forest if he has a bad game for four quarters. They're going to close this season. I think we're sitting here on a uh, – it's now officially Thursday – they play Houston tonight, officially. 7 o'clock tonight, Central. Uh, that's a big game. They play Houston. If they lose, they're out of the playoff. They've, right. And they finish with a team that has been streaky. A, um, I'm going to call them secretly decent Kentucky team. Sometime, I'll call them a sometimes decent Kentucky team, actually. Not even secretly. They're just sometimes decent. If they drop either of those two games and we stop talking about Louisville being in the national spotlight... I still think he wins, but if you lose one of those two, it's going to it's going to cream his Heisman chances. I think, as far as Heisman, the Heisman Trophy is concerned, he's got a very uh, sort of Robert Griffin the third kind of year going, where the team is good. Everybody knows the team is good. Everybody knows the team's a national contender through the last two, three, four weeks of the season. However, if they lose. It's not going to kill him, like yeah. you said. It's it's not going to shoot him in the foot. Well, I'll say this uh, about Griffin. One of the big reasons he won is they went nine and three that year. But he upset, I believe, he, he beat Oklahoma, who was the darling of that season, and he beat, beat like Texas. West Virginia. He beat Texas. He had some upsets in there. Louisville actually, if you look at their schedule, he they don't have a big win on the year. Houston is the last game on their schedule. They lost their one big game to Cle- they beat FSU. Sorry, I take that back. They creamed right. FSU. That's his signature win. But that looks less and less impressive every time FSU has a terrible defensive showing, which is every week now. Um, their big thing left on the schedule is Houston. They lost to right. Clemson. But I think right. we're making much ado about the fact that this might be the biggest landslide Heisman winner of all time. That being said, go Jalen Hurts. Congratulations. I'm still Let's rooting move for on. Him. I'm still through rooting more, for him. Through more of the Mississippi State game, this yeah. episode's obviously going to be a little bit of a mixture of everything, but... Uh, the defensive side of the ball, I think the big storyline for me from the defense was Reuben Foster's hand-slash-club situation. Yeah. Um, because that's what that is. Uh, it is so taped up, it looks like a hornet's nest in the dead of summer. Uh, and it, he would be the player that has that. He is that of type of player. He is, the, like, like a, I remember Luke Keekley had it a couple years ago. He is that. You just, w- hey, someone on your defense needs to wear a club. Ah, throw it on Reuben. You know? Yeah. It's kind of how it he, felt. I mean, he only hits with the crown of his helmet and his shoulder anyway, so who cares? <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, it's it's just it's impressive to me that he played so well with that. Jonathan Allen further proving that he belongs in the NFL. I don't know if you've seen this vine of him bull rushing this guy. Uh, that one is great. And then also the pull and go is amazing. I mean, the guy drops steps, two steps, pulls the offensive lineman about six yards forward, Sprints past him and sacks the quarterback. I mean, it's just it's and it happens in all that that I just said. He could have done it sixteen times, and the time and the amount of time that it took me to just say that sentence. Um, I mean, the guy's incredible. So the defense really not that much to worry about. However, there were some plays in that game where I texted you or I texted my father or my brother and I said, 
that play doesn't happen if Eddie Jackson is in. Yeah, there was a there was a burn. For, I don't remember what D back got burned, but Nick Fitzgerald's a good quarterback, and he got a couple passes in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't complain about holding Mississippi State to three points. You know, it's it's and they, it's not like they you know we we played a good defense. I did want to mention back uh, on the offense. There's one more thing. My second favorite part of the offensive day, other than the passing improving, was the way Josh Jacobs ran the ball. He had 89 yards, but uh, he had some. And he had a good, really good reception, too. He had some really, really impressive Mark Ingram-esque plays in this game. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy that, uh, that I think, I mean, like, I texted you. Do you remember what I texted you about him? Did it concern Mark Ingram? Yes. I think I do. I said, oh, my God, it's Mark Ingram Jr., dot, 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 Jr. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Be, I I mean it just it it's a spitting image. It's it really a spitting is. image, and you know that's my favorite Alabama player of all time. I do know that. He's the one that um, put this dynasty on the map. Him and Julio. Glenn Coffey's the most underrated player in this dynasty. Will Lowry. I'm just kidding. Not Will Lowry. Anyway, Will um, Lowry was a great player, but I think I I mean you no, look you're at onto that, something there. Glenn Coffey was 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 quite good. I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna write a you and I are gonna both write Pat's interference thesis statements uh and thesis documents uh like in the homework. off season it's like homework. like like four or five page thesis all and right. w- one of mine uh, mine is going to be all about this brotherhood this this castle uh this group of running backs that alabama has produced going back to ken darby well please don't crap all over please refrain from crapping all over tj eldon if you can i know he's your least favorite but Hey, man, I'm just going to present facts, and the facts are that T.J. Yeldon was not the best running back at Alabama. No, he was that not. Time. That is, that is, that is not In fact, opinion. he's by far the worst during that time span. Um, are you counting Upchurch, or was he more of a fullback in your mind? Whoa. Are you really putting Upchurch down below T.J. Yeldon? Dude, I don't know. I, I just – I remember one play, and that's 2009. Auburn. Roy Upchurch – no – well, yes, but Roy Upchurch playing Virginia Tech the first game of the season. He's at the five. There's a poor Virginia Tech safety sitting at the goal line. He could have easily scampered towards the pylon and completely scored unscathed, but instead he went, nah, and just lowered his shoulder into the guy's sternum and then carried him into the end zone. You know what TJ Yeldon carried into the end zone? Lots of fumbles. Lots of them. Sorry. <sighs> Yeah, let's okay. get back on track. Um, let's get back on track. Defense. Let's uh, talk special teams from the game real quick. We'll quickly mention that uh, Adam Griffith was three for three. Hit all his uh, hey, field goals. Listen, all his extra I points. told you. I told you last week. I said I thought you know, and not on the podcast. You and I were talking on the phone. We both agreed that he had to figure it out. I feel like he kind of figured it out this week. True. Absolutely no pressure on any field goals, but you still got to You can only make the ones you kick, and I'm happy to see three of three. Um, Papanastos. They put him in for an extra point, and J.K. Scott. Boy, oh boy. Three, three punts, punter. 154 yards. He had a punt of 62. He's he's the best punter in the country, man. What he's a guy. He is. He's got to win it this year, right? He better. That's a, that's one of the biggest snubs. If he doesn't win the Ray Guy Award, I mean, that's that's or, travesty. I, you, I put him, you and I, I are burning that mother down. Heisman ballot. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. No, I mean, he's, he's very talented. I'm trying to think of another Alabama special teams player that impressed me that much. Maybe a guy, uh, Lane Bearden was his name. Do you know anything about Lane Bearden? No. 
uh, tore his ACL, came out and had a 54-yard punt the next play. Well, uh, the ACL was on his plant foot, not his kicking foot, or I should say plant leg, not his kicking leg. But honestly, I mean, that's... speaking from somebody that that has had that injury, that makes it better. You, yeah. need, you need your ACL more to plant than you do to kick, so that makes I mean, it even that got, makes it even more impressive. Got absolutely obliterated. Loved Lane Bearden. Great punter. Not anywhere near the level of J.K. Scott, but he was still a great punter. Wow, we're way um, off base. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But I mean, it's good. We we're, we're talking it, about Bearden. It was a fifty-one to three victory, Brick. There's not a lot to talk about. Um, the offense played great. The defense played as well as they could. Still a little worried about the lack of non-offensive touchdowns the past couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, it was about what Alabama could expect. Do you have any other takeaways from the game? Uh, I think we covered it all. I was going to mention the special teams. I got that in there. We'll move on to Alabama this weekend facing the politically correct University of Tennessee, Chattanooga Mocs. Not Moxes and Moccasins or the Indian. Moxes and the Mockingbirds because they're now, like I said, politically correct. That's a 6 o'clock kickoff at Bryant Denny's. And, Here's what's impressive. We're seven playing Eastern. Chattanooga, 7 Eastern. And because we're Alabama, we get this. To, this is a night game. This is ridiculous to me. Can you explain this to me? I am so happy because I'm taking my sister to this game. And I was See, really afraid that I was going to have to zoom up there and that, 11 a.m. that makes off. it okay. I'm not pleased because if this game were at uh, noon my time, I could watch the entire thing. Oh, man. Indeed. Oh man, indeed! I'm so pumped because I now been, I love I it because Ryan Denny since uh, we beat LSU in 2013 because that was my last game at Alabama. Wow, my last game at Alabama was the 2014 Iron Bowl. Looking to make one. my return next year. That was a good one. Uh, but I, I think that uh, well, first off, I think you and I got to do a live episode from either Ramajamas or Galettes next year. I think we got to make that happen. We could do um, that. I mean, sure. I mean, they're both sponsors, so I can't imagine they wouldn't want to do this. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think from this game, what, what, I don't know, what's necessary and what we can expect is just sort of similar things to or to Virginia Tech, to Mississippi State, which is just sort Ouch. of what. That's uh, for poor Mississippi State fans. I'm sorry, but no, you're play right. better. No, you're right. You're you, right. If it's you just... don't, if you don't want to get put in that echelon, play better. You're right. I mean, they beat A and M, but that's I, I honestly less expect. Less now by the week. I honestly expect University of Tennessee Chattanooga to put up more points against that Alabama defense than Mississippi State did. I hope Period. so. Period. I hope they put up more than uh than Tennessee did as well. Yeah, uh, they probably will. You'll probably get your wish. I'm calling this a. I'm calling this a. a 49, I'll call it 49 to 13 victory because that would give them more points than Tennessee. I'm going to go 55 to 10. That's the same amount of points as Tennessee. Give them 11, dude. 11. All right, you go. We just said we have 55 to, 12. We have four to, field goals. We have to insult Tennessee where we can. We have to Hashtag take these go small opportunities. No, you know what? They do it enough to themselves. And that's a dunk in and of itself. Burned. <laughs> I, I don't uh, want to no. talk anymore about this game. I, you know, I think yeah, I think we I had agree such an interesting I think, week nationally. We can kind of get into that now. I think I think that uh, one more thing. I think we'll see the ones throughout the first half, maybe a little bit bleeding over into the second half. After that, we won't see them again until the Auburn game. All right. So, uh, also around the country, as we mentioned at the top here, we had 
three of the top four teams, and I keep saying that because Alabama was the one that didn't lose, and that's what makes it nice to me. But uh, number two, number three, number four, all losing will go down the list, I suppose, by the team's number. And I watched um, a couple of these games. First one we'll talk about was... Actually, let's lump them together, because everybody knows the storylines by now. Uh, Michigan losing to Iowa, um, that would mean Clemson losing to Pitt, and that would be... um, Washington losing to USC. Of those three games, which one surprised you the most? Well, obviously USC-Washington, because as you and everyone and their mother who ever listened to the podcast brought up, I clearly didn't believe in USC at all. At all. However, in my defense, who texted you about the Michigan-Iowa game early, early Saturday morning? You asked me, what are the chances? And I said, very slim, possible but slim, and... Holy cow. And I told you, and I quote, I've got a feeling. You did. So we both had a hunch. Here's what I – I'll tell you what I saw but going But I will that. give you 100% credit in the USC game because I, I didn't think there was any way. And honestly, I don't feel that bad about it. I don't feel that bad about saying that all the times I've been wrong this season, which has been a lot. And that means it's been a great college football season. It really has, especially since we're undefeated. USC is just I, – I, I always fear teams that are – and this is the re- reason I feared LSU. A talented team. If you look at the talent on the USC, if USC played up to their talent week in, week out, they'd be a top 10, maybe top 5 team just based right. on talent alone. So when you sure. take a team that has the talent and they're surging, as in they started off the season bad, they're, they're in the middle of a turnaround, a team like that can beat anybody, can upset anybody when they get the confidence back. Remember LSU. They could have beaten Alabama, too. They could have if things had happened different, perhaps. If Jalen had thrown a, you know, they, I think their defense would have needed to score. But we were both afraid of LSU because we knew the talent they had, and now they have the confidence. They know that they're playing well. And so, and then I just, you know, I knew Washington hadn't really been tested supremely other than if you think Stanford's a test. And I just kind of felt it coming because that's what the Pac-12 does to itself. Right. The one that surprised uh, me the most was Michigan, I will say. I think we both that, think that Clemson yes. kind of had it coming. Yes, agreed, agreed. But, and I was talking to my dad tonight, um, you and I have been right since August. Still, to this day, with these rankings, with the way everything looks, out of the four teams, the game that is really going to come down to is the Michigan-Ohio State game. Yes, it will. No, I mean, that, they kept it in there. The, so it went one Alabama, two Ohio State, three Michigan, four Clemson, five Louisville. And the, in the, I, I believe that the um, the committee kind of protects themselves while causing controversy. They protect yes. their end of the season. And I think by putting Ohio State two, Michigan three, they're still telling everybody, hey, we know one of these teams isn't going to be in. And then we might have two ACC teams make the playoff. They it's did the funny. same thing with Texas A&M two weeks ago. But here, here's a situation I want to bring up. You and I have talked about this two years in a row, and we, you know, before the playoff, about the potential of a team making the playoff that didn't win their conference. And since Alabama went to the national championship without winning the conference so many years ago, we always assumed the SEC would be the one to cause that controversy. But think, listen to, listen to what's going to happen potentially in that Big Ten. You might not see either Michigan or Ohio State in the conference championship. All Penn State's got to do, I don't remember who they have left, is keep winning, and they are going to play Wisconsin. Let me look at their schedule, but 
they have the highest chance of making the conference championship. Right. That isn't so. So what do you think it takes for them to make the conference championship? They just if they beat Rutgers, who's awesome. No, no, oh, no, sorry. no, not them. Ohio State. Ohio State to make the playoff or make the conference championship. Make the conference championship. Um, you gotta have. Uh... Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Make the playoff. Make the playoff. Because in my opinion, it's beating the ever-loving crap out of Michigan. I think they'll still be in if they beat Michigan. I still think they'll be in if they don't make the conference championship. I really do. You know, I just I, I think it's. I don't know how you 10. can look at that Ohio State team and leave them out. Exactly. Um, but like we said, I think whoever wins that game makes it to the playoff. Yes, but can you, but at that point, can you you could argue Penn State should be in. They if they win the conference. They've beaten Ohio State, or yeah, Ohio State already. Um, they, I know they got trounced by Michigan, but teams evolved throughout the season. And the the goal of the the goal of the playoff is to put the top four teams in. You don't look at all the outside stuff; they just look and say who's best. That's what they're supposed to do. I'm going to ask you, who are the best four teams? Right now, I'm going Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. So I agree with the top three, and then Louisville. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think Louisville, if they played Clemson again right now on a neutral field, like a playoff would present, would win. Washington then Clemson. I, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed with Clemson. No, I think Washington's better than Clemson as well. I'm, I, I'm I haven't, I them. haven't been impressed with them all year. But here's the thing that made me the most angry about these rankings: Michigan loses to Iowa and drops one spot. Yeah. If Alabama loses to Auburn or loses in the SEC championship game, they will crucify them. I think a lot of people are saying Ohio State's the biggest beneficiary this week of the upset, of the of those top three upsets. I think Alabama is because with Auburn losing and these three teams losing, I now think that a situation has been presented where Alabama can, you know, I'm not going to root for this, never would in my lifetime, but I think Alabama has now gotten a little bit of slack, a little bit of, I think we can lose one of our last two games, just not both. I think we'll be in. As long as we don't get blown out by Auburn or the SEC championship, which nobody sees coming because Nick Saban's never lost by more than 14 points. Stats. Um, I think that if they if they lose by three to Auburn or Tennessee, I still think we get in. Because we all, even with a loss, because we'll all have one loss at that point, we still got the strongest resume. And nobody's going to disagree that we're not a top-four team unless we get blown out and we just sputter. See, and that's what concerns me about Michigan. The Michigan-Ohio State game. Both those teams are so good that you've got Wisconsin and Penn State on their back. I just feel like it's a situation where if Alabama loses to Auburn in the Iron Bowl or in the SEC Championship game representing the SEC West, people are already tired of Alabama. I don't have to tell you that. Yeah. I think people are looking for every excuse to not put Alabama in the Final Four. I don't think the committee will go that far, though. That would be one, I think, they kind of want ratings. I, I think they kind of want ratings, and Alabama would bring, bring ratings. So I, I think that's kind of an unspoken truth to this. But I just think if, even if we lose a game, unless, like I said, unless it's just a blowout and, and we implode in our final game of the season, if it's a close 10 to or less point loss, I don't see there being any scenario where we still don't get in. Because, you know, we're still going to represent the conference regardless. Right. You got four teams in the Big Twelve that have arguments. I think Wisconsin's got the, the the weakest argument, but they still all have arguments to being a top four team. 
Well, and honestly, you've got to. I mean, you've got to kind of prove yourself at that point too. And then you got Oklahoma coming back around, and I'm just they're going to try to get in. I don't think Oklahoma has a shot at this point because they're two big games they haven't won and they haven't really beaten anybody. But there's a lot of two lost teams that are going to try to argue themselves in. Right, right. There's a lot of college football left to be played, honestly. Yep. And It's just strange uh, that either Michigan or Ohio State is going to have two losses to me. It is. It is. It's very weird. College football is a very weird thing. But this is why I like it more than the NFL. Yeah. I've told you time and time again, NFL losses don't matter. They just don't. This is pivotal in college football. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely pivotal. If one of these teams loses, even if it's Alabama, that's it. That is it. Um, so I have it's a, something I have, to keep in I, mind. I don't want to do it as my sound off, so I'm going to throw in my quick little minute-long NFL gripe of the weekend. We've been having like an NFL gripe of the week, and here's mine. Um, I was watching the FSU, not FSU, sorry, the um, Miami Dolphins versus the Chargers game while cleaning. That's kind of how much I watch the NFL now. I was cleaning, and it was just on in the background. And Dolphins get a huge fourth quarter about four minutes left on the clock interception on Phillip Rivers. Huge. They were up. This they were Chargers were driving. Dolphins get an interception, stops their drive, preserves the lead, gives them the ball trying to run out the clock. CBS twenty four seconds from the time the whistle blew, they were in commercial. Intercept the ball, show a quick slow motion replay, show Phillip Rivers being upset, bump 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 bum or whatever the song they play. Commercial. Bud Light commercial completely took me away from the moment, completely removed from me from the atmosphere to show me a Bud Light commercial, and then came back on a shot of Philip Rivers again. Ugh. Anyway, I wanted to make that short, so that's all I got for that. Uh, yeah. It's a problem. It's a, uh, it, in col- if that happened in college football on ESPN, they would be showing crowd reactions, they'd be showing coaches, they'd be showing the defense celebrating, they'd show the Alabama player with the axe in his hand. They'd show all yeah. of it. And then they might go to commercial, but in the, with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, probably not. You might be there till the next offensive play. That's what college right. football does, right? That's what the NFL continues to not see. Right. Man, that should it should just be such a good league, and it's just not. Anyway. Um, it's just not. So we've spoken to the four upsets. This is the most excited part I was for the podcast. Uh, I don't want to talk about Texas A&M losing again because it's November, and that's what Texas A&M does. They lose to Ole Miss. Sure. Shea Patterson looked great. As uh, is tradition. Four really good true freshman quarterbacks in, in the conference. That's very exciting for the SEC. Away from Texas A&M, Auburn loses to Georgia. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking two things. One, good. <laughs> me too. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, And Georgia. it made me, it you, made me laugh really, really hard. Uh, thank you, healthy Chubb. Thank you. Chubb played well. Michelle played well. You know, it's just, it's it's so nice to just look back in the backfield and just see a, just a nice, hard-running Chubb. Let me tell you, the big thing from this game was Auburn's second-half offensive performance. You want me to read you their, their drive summaries? Please. All right, this is how it went. Interception for touchdown, so pick six. Sounds right. Punt, sure. punt, punt, good, punt, good, punt, good. Turnover on downs to end the game. Great. No first downs. Like twenty six total didn't they yards have, of offense. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't they have eleven pass yards? I mean, it's just that's something that 
people have not realized all year. Like nobody goes a couple, from zero to a couple weeks back to zero like Auburn does. A couple people were looking at Auburn, talking about I forget who was on the broadcast two weeks ago. There was an Auburn injury, and they were talking about how it was going to affect their national title hopes. But they had reached that, you know, they had reached, hey, if they pull up something, because people like now expect magic from Alabama and Auburn. So, you know, there's this idea that anything can happen because we've seen it happen, <laughs> excuse me now, but. Spoiler alert. Like I just said. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, again, but I'm never going to say but a team same, can't beat a team. To be, to be a hypocrite, at the same time, this game taught me another thing. Wadabury games are crazy and you can't predict them. Yeah. You can't do it. Alabama needs to be careful. They can't look ahead. They can't be looking uh, once they get past UTC. Excuse me. If they get past UTC, because that's the discussion we're having. Yes. Uh, they can't be looking to the SEC championship. They can't be looking to the playoff. they got to be looking at Auburn. No, Auburn can do things. Auburn can do things, and Auburn can do things well sometimes. But the problem is, here's that's what actually their new Auburn. multimedia slogan. Here's what Auburn, happens with Auburn. We do things. Game is Mark, not Mark Ricks, wow, Kirby Smart had a great game plan against that Auburn offense. He's good. Right. He's a defensive-minded coach. He had a good game plan. He's Remember, he's faced this Auburn team a couple times. This team doesn't change. They do the exact same thing every game. And Gus There's Malzahn, no adaption. Gus Malzahn is, when he game plans a game well, he game plans it really stinking well. When he doesn't, it's awful, and he is one of the worst coaches I've ever seen at mid-game uh, adjustments. He can't right. do it. He is so stubborn. I mean, I have no I watched that second half, and I know their running back was injured, um, uh, Petway, and they're banged up running the ball, but they – Sean White was so bad – have you seen it, his stats? It was, he had it, 26 it was total passing yards or something. Vintage Cody Burns. Oh, no, this was this was Kyle Frazier on a bad day. Ooh. This was worse than Cody Burns. Cody Burns at least scored touchdowns in national championship games. This was Kyle Frazier. Worse than Kyle Frazier. It is the worst quarterbacking. Perf- he had a quarterback rating of 1.0. That's hard to do. To compare it, Jalen Hurts' quarterback rating this weekend, I believe, was... Oh, sorry. ESPN uses the stupid QBR stat, so I can't really tell you what it was, but I'm sure it was over 100. Right. Um, One. Insane how bad that offense was. And at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say that Alabama is going to beat Auburn by 40 because Auburn's got a good defense. And uh, their, like defense said, their defense like played we... lights out again. I mean, Chubb had some yards, but their defense played... I mean, they held Georgia to zero offensive touchdowns. They played well enough to win. They played well enough to beat a good team, any good team. They could beat any team with that defense. But that offense, like I said, I don't know how Auburn does it, but they go from zero to 100 back to zero better than any team can do. I have no idea. And I loved it. I loved it because it got us in the SEC championship game. They merge onto the interstate, slam on the brakes, shoot their body out the windshield 100 miles an hour, then come to a screeching halt on the pavement at zero miles an hour yet again. I mean, it's it's graphic. fascinating. It really is. Um, we've gone graphic. we've gone in the past three weeks from thinking Gus Malzahn's an idiot to now Auburn's going to make the national championship game, or at least the playoff, or at least have a hope at the playoff, 
in two weeks against Alabama, back to Gus Malzahn's and Eddie, and we need to fire well, they had him. And hope. I love they it. They had the same hope that Penn State has now. They had a hope if they pull up the upset that, you know, Penn State has already pulled off their upset. If they pulled off that upset, anything could happen. But, right. no, it's out the window. Gone out the window. Um, got a, do you have a sound off this week? I think we've pretty much wrapped this bad boy up. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure this is a uh, pretty efficient episode. Um, yeah, my, my sound off this week is about, is about basketball. Are you going to be okay with me doing this? Is it anti-basketball? A little bit. That's fine. Just preface it with basketball is the most beautiful sport in the world. Basketball is okay. Here we go. Uh, I'm tired of continuation. I'm tired of it. I think it's stupid. I think it's absolutely stupid. If I get you in the air, right, you jump, your hip bone grazes my shoulder, I flail for three steps, shoot up a ridiculous quote-unquote acrobatic layup, and make it, I get another opportunity at a foul shot for that. That's oh, an on-the-floor foul. You're going with the superstar call. That is That is a superstar call. Either way, I don't like it. I hate continuation. On the floor. That's my sound off. I, I really I couldn't care less because I think basketball's stupid and I love college football, but I, I you know, I, I don't think basketball's stupid. That's not what I should say. What I should say is I, I feel like basketball is extremely flawed. And I'll say this, I had a conversation with one of my students, and that's side note, that's one of my favorite parts of my job is working with the kids. I love working with my kids. I can't, I can't brag about them enough. They, they make my job a thousand times better than it would be without them. Uh, one of my kids asked me what, what sports are going to stand the test of time. Because I told him I don't think that football is going to be around. By the time that I pass away, I don't think football is going to be a sport anymore. I think it's going to be a thing in the past. Either that or it's going to look so much different than it did that it's, it's not even going to be worth watching. He asked me what sports I thought were going to stay in the test of time. I said golf and baseball. Yeah, baseball's going undergoing some drastic changes too. Um, football's going to be the one that changes the most. I think basketball, pound for pound, is my favorite sport. But I like watching football the most. And I understand that. That's a that's a thing too. Is people who say I love basketball, I get it. Same thing with the MMA. I can't stand the MMA. I couldn't give two craps like Conor McGregor does. Break. You know how much I love boxing. I've never watched MMA. I've watched good boxing matches. I've never watched. A f- I've never gone out and been like, I've got to watch this. But I get the appeal to. It. I do. Just no, like I, do. I, just like I get the appeal to basketball. It's just it's not my cup of tea. I just don't enjoy watching it. Basketball. Unless there's a lot of loyalty to people that just go Panthers. Grew up having not having to play, but playing it. There's we'll talk. We can talk about basketball more in the off season. Um, my my sound off is, uh, the. You know, I'm a Miami Marlins fan. I hate saying Miami Marlins. I still wish it was Florida Marlins. Um, I miss I miss the franchise back when they were the Florida Marlins. That's not my sound off. Their um, their double and triple A affiliates have undergone a little bit of a facelift this off season. The Jacksonville Suns, or the formerly known as Jacksonville Suns, and the formerly known New Orleans Zephyrs, um, have both changed their names. Uh the Jacksonville Suns, a couple weeks ago, announced they're changing to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And their mascot is a big shrimp. Angry-looking shrimp. I loved it. Nothing wrong with that. New Orleans decides to try to one-up them. They are now the New Orleans Baby Cakes. Their mascot is an angry baby cake. Actual baby. In a cake, holding a purple baseball bat and a crown on its head. 
I don't hate I'm it. I'm okay with that. Because I like the goofy, I like the goofy uh, names in, in minor league baseball, but my sound off is none of you guys will ever be what the Montgomery Biscuits are. They started you're, this. They had, they you're were, dang right. They had the goofy smiling biscuit on their hat, and every team wants to be the Biscuits. You won't be the Biscuits well, no matter how hard you try. The and the thing the is, hat in the world. And I want one the thing Christmas. is, I have a biscuits cap, and do you know why? I used to. It used to be my favorite hat, but it was a kid's hat. I have my... Sweet, sweet Barbara and Glenn Williams, my grandparents, live in Montgomery, and took me to many a biscuit game. Where, by the way, I watched David Price pitch one of his two double A starts. Oh, that's pretty. Now, cool, however, actually. I am conflicted because, as you know, one of my favorite jobs I've ever had was working for my dear old Birmingham Barons. A major rivalry in the state of Alabama, one that rivals even that of the Iron Bowl. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Birmingham Barons tried to name them the Birmingham what's in Alabama that's Nats. The Barons <laughs> let me tell you something. The Barons are never gonna change. No, because Jordan made, you know, you can't change the team that Jordan Well, it was for. Jordan and then there was a Negro League team too. I mean it was one of the main Negro League teams and they will not change it. Send us There's your ideas no for new goofy um, minor league baseball teams. Oh, I love it. Oh, this is a great contest. First, okay, the best minor league baseball team name gets a gift card to the restaurant of their choice under $10 because Patrick and I are poor. So 10 is what you're saying. Nobody's going to go so, under 10. So you get an appetizer. Yeah. Basically. All right. Yeah, I can an appetizer and a beer. I can pitch in for that. I, so give us the best minor league name you can think of. Let us know. Good news, Brick. They have a lot of ways of letting us know. They can go on Facebook at P-A-T apostrophe S interference. That's Pat's interference. They can look us up on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. You can find our podcast episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher. Brick, do you remember those scholastic book magazines you used to get? When you were a kid, you were in elementary school, yeah, and you would fair. look, yeah, and you would get really, really interested in a book, and you'd circle it, and you'd send it back to Scholastic, and then you would wait, and then winter came along, and you would wait, and then you went to Christmas break, and you would wait, and then you got back from Christmas break, and you would wait, and then you go and to then high by school, the time, and wait, <laughs> and then by the time you were a junior in high school, getting ready to go to junior prom, your Berenstein Bears book would finally come <laughs> to you in the mail. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Great news. Great news. Due to my connections and your sweet talking, we have been hooked up with Scholastic Books. If you want a picture book of Pat's interference, which includes goofy pictures of you and I from your wedding, uh, you and I writing an Assassin's Creed paper together, which was 10 pages, by the way, for Dr. Matthew Payne. Shout out. Shout out to uh, T-Payne. Shout out to T-Payne, working at good old... Uh, he's, he's in good old South Bend now. Yep. Uh, pictures of that. Pictures of you and I seeing Lil Dicky in Panama City Beach. Pictures of you and I watching the national championship together this past year. Brick, you can't pass that up. You order that today, you're getting that baby in 2018. Look out for it. Plus, you got a couple episodes coming your way. You've outdone just saying, yourself. Scholastic Books really stepping up their mark. You've, you've outdone yourself this time. Who's going to sift through those millions of submissions we're getting? I don't know. Probably the intern. Yeah, we we'll, have have to, we'll have to get the intern. To do we'll get the intern on it. It's fine. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Honestly, everybody, we couldn't do this without you. We really, really enjoy doing this. 
Um, this is something that Brick and I have always Lane, talked about. Is Lane doing. our new intern? Lane can be the intern. Tell Lane I like my coffee uh, non-existent because I don't like coffee. Because we'll have it to you in the morning. Sounds good. By your bed. Hey, Brick, you're the best co-host I could ever ask for. You're my best friend in the whole world. Feelings mutual. Okay. Everybody have a good week. Enjoy the Mox game. Enjoy the craziness that is college football. And most of all, Brick, roll roll tight. tight.